This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. The 65th Annual Daytona 500, Sunday, February 19th on the Blitz 1170. I'm on the hunt, Matt, and I'm getting irritated because I haven't been able to find it. What are you hunting for? Well, there is a version. You're probably too young to remember this. I'm always thoroughly impressed with our next guest, though, Eli Letterman, (coughs) and uh, his knowledge of things that come before his time. Um, Are either of you familiar? By the way, welcome, Eli. Hope that you've had a good day, man. (laughs) Appreciate the, the very nice welcome. This is two weeks in a row my, my youth has come up. Um, I um, Are either of you familiar with the group Danzig and the song Mother? Yes. Okay. I'm doing a little quick Google search. Here. Okay, you, I'll play it for you right now. You tell me if you remember Let's this. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. If you played Guitar Hero at any time. Oh, yeah, yeah, Like, yeah, this yeah, was yeah. Mother... This was the jam I'll, on guitar here. Yeah, I'll let the uh, I'll let the the first line kick in here. Yeah, so you get it. Uh, there is evidently a version online where they replace the the lyric "mother" with "maher." Tell your kicks not to go away. <laughs> There's an entire Brett Maher version of this Danzig song, and I have to find it. And I've been looking for the last hour, and I am coming up empty. So, Matt, the challenge is on you, buddy, to find that. Because I feel like that we will need that at some point here over the next couple of days. Doing that, my best. That has nothing to do with Eli Letterman joining us here on the Blitz. Uh, but I like Eli, and I thought that he would get a kick out of that. What's uh, what's going I on today, man? Are you, uh, are you getting set for a little bedlam tonight? I'm getting set for a trip up to Stillwater. I know we're here to talk hoops, but back to the subject, I guess, tangentially. Of, of my generation as, as a Niners fan, can you explain to me the significance of, of Niners Cowboys? Lives <laughs> in a in a post Cowboys dominant world. And how uh, post Niners dominant world? How long do you have? <laughs> we could go on and on and on with that. Um, I'm I'm fired up. This is me reliving a significant portion of what I like to call stupid little pop uh because that's what i was i was this stupid little kid that had 49er silk boxers and my telephone number was had 49 er as as the numbers like i was a i was the dork of ultimate dorks when it comes to the niners and um i'd be lying if i didn't say that the cowboys made me shed some significant tears as a uh, youngster in the 90s when they were to take out my team. And I am a firm believer in the fact that the Cowboys single-handedly cost me, as a fan, at least one, if not two more Super Bowls. So I will always hold that against them. It will never leave my DNA. And um, I'm nervous as hell for this game coming up on Sunday night because I, as a Niner fan, you just don't want to lose to the Cowboys ever. And, uh, yeah, it's a week long of nerves and anxiousness just coursing throughout my veins, Levi or yeah, Eli. Clearly, I wasn't pulling at any loose threads there. 
No, no, not at all. Not at all. Like I said, I, I've always tried to tell Matt, what Matt, what do I tell you when it comes to the Niners? I'm not a rational human being by any means. He becomes incredibly irrational. I, yes, I do. I do. There's not a lick of sense that exists inside my head. All right, to Bedlam tonight. So I'll ask you the question that we've been kind of kicking around here, and it's mainly been in terms of Oklahoma State. But considering how good the conference is, Considering where they're at right now, overall record, I think Lenardi had them, what, down to the 12-seed line in the latest version of Bracketology. Could you make the argument that this is inching close to a must-win game for Oklahoma just in terms of what are the percentages of how many more games that you can win in conference? You've been good in those, but even you wrote about the the late-game troubles for Oklahoma it's not quite in the must-win category, but it's it's inching there tonight for the Oklahoma Sooners on the road. I don't know that, yeah, I mean, look, we're talking mid-January, Joe Lenardi's uh, bracketology, those projections will change at least 10 times over between now and Selection Sunday, right? But whatever is must-win adjacent, I think this could be really for both teams. I think if you're Oklahoma, uh, you know, you, you mentioned the story I had in the paper today that, that they've played exclusively close games and have struggled in every in large part in the last five minutes of regulation in close games and so they've and, and there's not going to be more on the schedule like tonight where, where you've got a, a down team at, at the moment like Oklahoma State so I think these are the wins they've got to rack up if they want to to kind of stay in that picture and then if you're Oklahoma State you know you look at where they're at uh the, the schedule doesn't get a whole lot easier after tonight it's Iowa State this weekend a trip to Texas Ole Miss visits, and you see Oklahoma, Norman, TCU, Tech, Iowa State, and Kansas in the mid-February. And and if you're, you're looking there, I think you, you start saying, you know, if you can't win tonight, where do the wins come? And and do, do those hopes for, for that postseason appearance getting back there with, with Mike Boynton this year, those, those might start to fade, I think, even as early as tonight if, if they can't get a win. So it, it's, it's pretty dang close to must win, I think, for both sides. How shocked were you? We've we've all understood how good the league is, but when you went through and actually crunched the numbers on this, where you found out that 40% of the games so far in league have been settled by five points or fewer, um, what was your shock level on that? And was it kind of the, aha, you know what, just more proof of just how close things have tended and on the trend is now here in the Big 12 this season? Well, I mean, you know, watching the basketball across, across the conference up, up to last night with that Kansas K-State game. Uh, you know, I, I don't think I was surprised to learn that there were a ton of close games in the league. That's been the theme. But what that drove home is that it's not exclusive to the Sooners. It's not exclusive to their first five games, that they've all just happened to be close. I mean, those are for the reality of the games that are getting played. I think Oklahoma's style, I mean, they're one of the slowest offenses in the country, is pulling teams in. You know, I, I think they're in their wheelhouse when they're playing these games in the that end in the 60s as opposed to the 80s maybe. Uh, but but it is those they're, they're playing a lot of close games and, and the fact that they are struggling how they are. I mean, you pointed out, again, that, that story I had today, they're getting outscored 69 to 46 by their opponents in the last five minutes of regulation. Uh, the 13th best shooting team in the country is for Oklahoma Sands as a team at 49%. In the last five minutes, they dropped to 36.1%. They're getting out-rebounded over that stretch. So something's going on in the last five minutes that's hurting them and what's really hurting them, and Porter Moser himself drove it home yesterday, they're not playing a lot of games where, where they're winning by 25 or even 10. Every single game is coming down the stretch, 
And as, as we, we talk about that postseason resume, if they were a little bit better against Iowa State or Texas or Kansas, that resume looks better today. This maybe is less of a must-win tonight. Uh, and, and so their, their record right now in close games, the way they're playing at the end of the game, is that point of concern. And I, I don't think it's going to be anything but, you know, maybe I'll be proven wrong, but I think we're going to see another close game in Stillwater tonight. We, I asked you this last week when we were talking about this with them blowing the 10-point lead at Kansas before they even played West Virginia. And my question to you and, and whether Porter has talked about this, but learning how to close out games, I still am a big believer in that, and I know Porter is as well. Uh, but it seems that in order for that to happen, uh, they need to do it like m- multiple times. Uh, to me, anyway, for them to kind of get out of that funk of dropping from what for over forty three percent to like you talked about in your column from thirty six percent in the final five minutes of games. This needs to be not just one, and maybe one can get the ball rolling, but they really need to do this uh, on a more consistent basis in order to finally kind of pull themselves out of whatever the heck happens in the last five minutes. Yeah, and, and in fairness, I, you know, I, I went, you know, kind of the negative end there, but they just most recently did close out a game. I mean, yep. it was a late scare with West Virginia, but on Saturday they did what it took to close out a game, and Porter Moser's words then were, sometimes you just got to find a way, and, and gosh, if that's not true in this Big 12 especially, when you're just trying to collect wins, sometimes you just got to find a way. And there, there seemed to be some serious relief afterwards, probably because, yes, They'd finally closed a game out after a couple of tenuous finishes. Uh, and probably because maybe this was that first one to, to get the ball rolling. Tonight's that next opportunity. I think with this team, as we've seen, I mean, they've gone into, into tough environments and competed. They've played everyone they've played in the Big 12 close. So they are right there. And so if they can get that ball rolling, if they can capitalize on the momentum, maybe they this train starts going and they climb those Big 12 standings a bit. But I, I think they've got to prove that. We've got to see that they can do it couple games in a row against different kinds of opponents. I mean, West Virginia certainly gave them some help with their struggles at the foul line. Uh, so it was, it was a, an important finish, I think, for them on top of just getting a win on Saturday. But we need to see more of it going forward because as, as I've hit on, as everyone's hit on, the, the close games are not going to stop. What OU does in them is, is what they need to change. Well, I think if we're going to go off of things that I think have helped propel them, Say what you want, and Texas Tech may not have the best record right now uh, in terms of conference play, but I still think that they took a lot from going on the road and winning at Tech, a place that's been very difficult for them. And we saw signs of that, even though they ultimately failed at Kansas. So under that, maybe they can take some of the same things that they did from that win on the road at Tech and pull that out of the West Virginia game, and we'll see how that also helps complement them with actually having a scenario play out in front of them like that, like that did during the West Virginia game. Yeah, I think the last thing you would probably accuse this team of this year is, is being fearful of anything. They've walked in uh, into Lubbock and, and performed well, and that was kind of, I think, uh, Lo Suzanne, that was his big game going on the road for the first time as a freshman. Kansas, Sam Godwin, your preferred walk-on back of big man uh, from, who played at Wofford previously. He comes in and looks unfazed by Allen Fieldhouse. So the, there's, that, I, I don't think that fear factor is there, and I think that should bode well for them tonight. They've walked in to some of the toughest environments, maybe two of the toughest environments in the Big 12 and, and not been phased yet. 
so they're they're doing that in, in most of these games they're they're kind of performing to a level and it, it seems to just be on a given night are they going to do what they need to do in the final five minutes to, to tip the scale one way or the other uh and, and really we've seen both sides of this team we've seen a team that can close out i mean texas tech they the, the lead evaporated late and they recovered in, in overtime against west virginia they held on but there's those other games where in the small things the little mistakes porter moser likes to to quote uh any given sunday al pacino every inch um, <laughs> and 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 it's and it is by those inches that they're winning and losing games. And, and again, it's just to circle back. It's why when you look at those dips they've got at the end of games, if they are going to be decided by just the smallest of margins, it's, it is those little things at the end of games that will determine wins and losses for the Sooners and probably determines, you know, if they're playing deep into March or uh, if it's going to be a, a shorter spring for them. Colby was talking about this yesterday. We know about OU being – what, 13th in the country, I think, from your story in terms of field goal percentage. But to look at both of these teams, like OU and OSU ranked 9th and 10th in scoring per game, which is wild because you very rarely see a team that's that high in field goal percentage, and yet OU's next to last in the conference in scoring speaks to a little bit of the type of pace that they like to run at under Porter so far. I mean, they there's, what, 360-some-odd teams in the in – the- and uh, Division One men's basketball, 363, I think is the number. OU is 341st in possessions per game. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, so there you go right there. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to pull up the stats right now, but I think you'd probably find if you look, OU is zero down in three-point attempts. And, and they are. They're getting quality shots, and they, they finish, I think, pretty often around the basket. The guys who are shooting threes are, are your t- Jacob Groves, who I think is leading the team. Right now from three-point, you've got Grant Sherfield who takes those midfield uh, mid-range jumpers that maybe you know some would say are less efficient or, or going out of style but but he knocks them down and then most everything else they do is around the rim so that number itself is not so surprising but some of it is owed to the fact that they're maybe not playing the most tantalizing offensive basketball in terms of high flying high pace all those things they're slowing it down they're relying on, on their guys inside and and really, I think, you know, you're seeing it in the scorelines, grinding out a lot of these games. They're, they're not playing deep into the 80s and 90s like some of the other teams in the conference. I will say this about them. They come across as a tough team. I know they're physical just in their style of play anyway, but they just they have kind of an air about them, uh, blue-collar toughness that makes you feel like that, one, they can be in any game, and two, that even if they do have things that happen to them like Kansas in this conference, that – they're not going to dwell on it that they have the mental toughness to be able to bounce back into play and, and not let one loss carry over into two or three. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. And it's funny that they're doing it without, um, I mean, if you want to make a comparison to tonight in the safety place, but they don't have a Musa Cisse type force in terms of physicality inside. Tanner Groves and Sam Godwin have performed well, but they physically are not with some of the biggest guys in this in this conference, but no less. They are physical. I don't think anybody's had fun playing against them yet. I don't think even in wins, Kansas, Texas, or Iowa State, or the Big 12 teams would say it was an easy easy game going there. And they have shown resilience. And, and we've seen, um, I think, probably both in Stillwater and Norman in recent seasons, some of that wasn't always there between the two programs. And I, I think this OU team, at the very least, has that. They seem to bounce back. They seem to be able to move past results. I think last week being the best example of the the late collapse in Kansas, come home, beat West Virginia in a really needed game uh, because that's probably the thing right now separating the one game, separating OU and OSU 
is that West Virginia win that they got that probably puts a little more pressure on the Cowboys tonight than it does the Sooners. I liked your uh, your power rankings, but of course, as soon as you come out with your power rankings, then you have you know the Kansas State upset that you have like this. I know what you currently had Kansas State. I think in your your latest power rankings, what you had them at fourth that were setting there, yeah. but it but it just. Like, I, I, I feel like that every one of, but with how the conference is, Eli, you could come out with this like on every Monday and your, your power rankings. And by the time we get to Wednesday, they could just be thrown into a giant mix, especially with the teams that I would put like on tier one of the top four teams in the conference. It's just going to be that type of year. I mean, maybe next week, my article is just how the hell am I supposed to know? <laughs> You're exactly right. I would love uh, to see that just printed. How the I hell do I know? <laughs> well, and I mean, it's, again, it speaks not to just to, to the unpredictability of this conference and, and also the closeness. Because in, in this week, you know, I had them at four, and you're just splitting hairs because there's so many good teams. They're, the, the margins are so tight. The, the best teams are, are losing games, but they're doing them to other talented teams. So it really is tough to make your picks. But there you go. Kansas State uh, proves me wrong pretty quickly. I dropped them to, down to four after their first loss, and then they uh, they host the Jayhawks and, and get a huge win over them. I'll say this, I don't know if anybody could have expected Jerome Tang to, to have them where they are right now in year one. I don't know if there's anything more compelling or interesting, not just in the Big 12, but college basketball, than what's going on in Manhattan right now. And he's fun too, right? I mean, his, yeah, he's his, incredible. his press conferences are great doing the wall bash, like all of that, like calling them out saying, Hey, Kansas lives in your head rent free. Like, what are we doing here? We've got to be better. Great post-game comments last night. Um, he has made, there was a stretch there uh, for a while where Kansas state was an incredibly intimidating place to go play uh, when Frank was coaching there. And then Bruce Weber took over after him, but uh, it's nice to see that place turning back into that, and they are without a doubt one of the best stories in all of college basketball right now. It really has kind of returned to being that tough place to go play, and really the question is, and credit to Jerome Tang, Tang, maybe he was biding his time for the right opportunity, and here he is, but all those years on the Baylor bench and, and how many coaching hires got made, even just at the high major level, how he got overlooked, if that's the case, or maybe he was just hanging on for, for that perfect opportunity. But there's a lot of schools, I think, right now uh, who've made hirings in even the last decade who would look at Jerome Tang and wonder why they went in any other direction than him. The next time you hear him speak, see if you feel like that you're like I am. He has a little Cat Williams in his cadence and the way he sounds to, to, his, <laughs> to his speech pattern. And not Cat like super animated on stage doing his comedy routine, but if you've watched just Cat in general interviews, the cadence is almost identical. It, I will never be able to look at it in a different way now when I listen to Jerome Tang. He is, he is Cat Tang now moving forward for me. This is why I come on this show, because there are things I, I had never thought of that make perfect sense that emerged every time I, I guys. <laughs> I'm, you could have given me 10,000 guesses and I wouldn't get that comparison. Well, I'm a weird dude too. Never. Uh, yeah. Whenever you hear me calling out Matt for being weird, just know I'm just as weird in many instances as what Hubbard is, which is saying quite a lot uh, for my man. All right, Eli, good stuff, man. I appreciate you. Have fun tonight. We'll check in again soon. And uh, thanks as always for taking a few moments to come on with us. Thanks for having me, guys. Be good. That is the one, the only Eli Letterman joining us here on the Blitz 1170. We shall take a timeout. 
When we come back on the opposite side, we'll have a little audio for you from last night's college basketball, plus more on Bedlam. Tonight at 7 o'clock here on the Blitz 1170, your home for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Pre-game at 7, tip-off at 8, and you can catch all of it right here on the Blitz. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.